Russell Wilson here, and welcome to Danger Talk, season one, episode one, with my co-host, Jeff Dye, the one and only comedian. And uh, we got a special, special guest for you guys on this first episode, the one and only Shaquille O'Neal. Thank you to Danger Talk's presenting sponsor, DraftKings. Download the app now and use the code DANGERTALK. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Danger Talk. This is Russell Wilson, quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm fired up because we're here about to start week one of the 2020 season, and we're here with Danger Talk season one, episode one, and we have a special, special guest. But I got to introduce you guys to my co-host, the one and only Jeff Dye, comedian, hilarious, funny, uh, got tons of nicknames and more. But uh, Jeff Dye, uh, what's up, bud? You ready for this? I live from my kitchen. I, I you're in your is this what room of, of your house this is this? this? Uh, this is my studio here. We got a studio at home, so we you it know we're, we're ready to roll. Yeah. Well, are you are you enjoying your pandy? This is my first ever <laughs> pandy, and it's been it's yeah. been wild. Pandy, I'm assuming, is that 2020 pandemic we're going in. Yeah, dude, it's big, but I try to yeah. make it sound cute, you know. Am I enjoying it? No. Am I living through it? Yes. Am I making yeah. it? Yes. I'm getting COVID tested every day, but you know we're excited because the NFL season's starting on. We got. The NFL bubble going on, quote unquote. You got the NBA bubble going on. All this stuff's going on. I'm getting tested every day on COVID tests. And uh, we got to travel across the country this week. The first game, the first NFL game is Patrick Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson coming up. It's, a, it's an interesting year. It's been a tough year for everyone. And so we're excited to have uh, a special, special uh, guest, a special season for you guys to have intimate conversations with our star-studded lineup of guests and everything else. And uh, I'm fired up about it. Jeff, I mean, I know uh, you, you've been doing so many different things and staying busy, too, as well. So uh, it's good to have you on the show, too, man. It's going to be awesome. So walk us through. I, I think we only see what you put on your social media. And they, people obviously get to, if, if they're in your inner circle, they see your life. But what is it like? Is, is any of your training right now different than the other seasons? Or is it pretty standard still? You've had, to, yeah, you've had to strategize, honestly, because you can't have too many people around. So my season's changed a lot because okay. for me, you know, I wasn't really able to spend all the time early on, you know, uh, with throwing with a lot of receivers and stuff. So we had to get guys tested, have them come in one-on-one sessions. And normally I throw in a big groups and we have all the guys fly to Hawaii or go mm-hmm. to LA or go to San Diego or wherever we go. And uh, that's definitely changed. But, you know, for me, my mentality hasn't changed. If anything, it's enhanced and gotten even more focused because, you know, it's all the circumstances around you have to get you, you know, force you to get prepared. And so I'm definitely prepared. I'm excited about this week coming up. You know, like so I said. C- got- so Seahawks fans don't have to be nervous. We don't have to be worried. Uh, Seahawks don't, fans don't ever have to be nervous. I know they get nervous okay. the first, second, and third quarters. But the fourth quarter. They don't have to be nervous. This is the fourth quarter of the uh, 2020 season, hopefully. So uh, thank, uh, hopefully, thank we, hopefully, hopefully we play our best. So how are you preparing to play like without fans? I mean, there's going to be no one out there. You get, you don't have the 12th man on your side. You don't have all the loud chatter. You don't have any of the defensive, uh, you know, flags uh, on your side. I mean, what do you do? How are you going to prepare for that? You know, I, for, you know, for me, I don't prepare any different. You know, football is football. When the ball snap, we go play ball. It's time to show up, show out. Um, I think the thing is that's different, though, is you get that energy from the fans, and you, you like seeing people there. They're rocking your jersey. They're rocking the 12 jersey. They're rocking whatever. They're, they got their, paint, their face painted, you know, all the different crazy things that happen. People are throwing stuff at, at you and all this mm-hmm. stuff and yelling at you. I, I feed off of that. Um, but also, to me, 
if you're if you're ch- preparing like a champion every day, if you're a professional, it shouldn't affect you. The thing that's going to be interesting though, more than anything else, is going to each stadium and listening to the crowd noise because they're going to have this pumping this fake noise. And for Seattle, for example, when you, people come to us, it's real noise and it's it's it, it causes our earthquakes. And so yeah. for so for so what's going to be interesting is when we go on the road and some of these other stadiums that you know they're they you know they're we talk about decimal points, you know, right. We, we, we've had to practice. We had to scrimmage and, you know, we were at, we practiced at a hundred decimal points. We practiced at 85, we practiced at 75, all the in-betweens. And some of these stadiums probably aren't, some of them aren't even at 60 decimal points uh, most of the game. So it'll be interesting. And I, you know, and so it'll be interesting to see what's how the stadiums and how each team does uh, their crowd noise and, and all that. But for me, it's about winning. It's about coming home, flying back home and hopping on that plane, hopefully with a W and, uh, there's a lot of great teams. We got a tough season ahead of us. In Seattle, we feel like we're we're part of it. You know, we feel like when because we're so loud, we brag about how loud we are, and we get to be the 12th man. <laughs> so it feels weird not being able to be there and be rowdy. It's kind of like church for a lot of people. You get up on Sunday, you put on your thing, you go to the game. So it's gonna be weird. Yeah, one one of my favorite parts about going to an away game is watching the tailgating. Yeah. Uh, I, I, just, I just love see people tailgating as your, as your bus is pulling up. So I'll be interested to see as we're going to these away games, if people are still tailgating. Cause I, I think these fans don't care. I think they'll be out there, you know, maybe mask on, maybe not, but they're, they're going to be out there cheering their team on and talking trash. And it'll be interesting to see that part of it too. So Jeff, listen there. I, I think we should bring in our very first guest of the season one episode one. We're about to start the 2020 NFL season, NBA, NBA bubbles going on playoffs, everything else. We got no greater guest than the one we have right here. He's he's everything you want. Jeff, you want to call him in? I'll bring him in. Let's do it. I think it's time. We bring in our guest. Super excited you got this. He, he didn't agree to be on this because of me. He agreed to be on this because you, Russell Wilson. But uh, this is it's exciting, man. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Superman, the big Aristotle, the big Shamrock, uh, the Chamber Neasy, the Diesel, big Shaktus, Shaq Fu, Shaq Fu, uh, Shaq Fu, do Shaq Daddy, Hobo Master, the big deporter, Shaquille O'Neal. What's up, my man? How are you, Justin Bieber? And, uh, <laughs> I wish, I wish. Beebs, I see you, Beebs. Listen, now, first of all, first of all, Shaq, it's great to have you on Danger Talk. It's it's uh, season one, episode one. We're about to get into the 2020 season, and we got uh, the guy with all the nicknames. Uh, you know, first of all, I, I got my own nicknames. I got Danger Russ over here. I got Mr. Unlimited. You got about a million over nicknames over there. Jeff died. Do you have any nicknames? Uh, my friends call me Jackpot because I'm very lucky, you know, so wherever we go, like a parking <laughs> spot will open up and they're like, it's because we're with Jackpot. And in, high school, uh, and in high school, they called me Dip. So that was just like, that was kind of, you know, the teachers called me that. They should probably call you that still. But uh, <laughs> that's all, those are only two nicknames you got, Jeff. That's it. I, I need to get some more. In fact, uh, I think you need a nickname from Shaq. Shaq, you got a nickname for Russ we can use? Actually, Russ is already uh, dangerous. Is, is nice. It's pretty good. Uh, I, I like I like that for the 2020 season. I'll, if, if Shaq if Shaq can give me dangerous, I know he's given. Uh, I think you gave Paul Pierce the truth. Is that right? Paul Pierce, uh, Kevin Garnett, big ticket, uh, <laughs> Vince Carter, Air Canada. Really? Yeah. yeah. Hey, then so, give me a nickname. I need a nickname, Shaq. Come on, man. Bieber. That's not a nickname. That's just a... <laughs> all right, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Whatever. Bieber. So I wanted well, to ask you a question. I get... Uh, so for me, like, I'm 
when I see you, I, w- I once met you at the Playboy Mansion in like 2008, and I was very like starstruck. I was like Shaquille O'Neal, right? First time I met Russ, I was very starstruck. I was working with Sierra on a show, and I met Russ, and I was very starstruck. Who's do, does anyone? Who's your guy? Like who's someone you meet where you're like, oh my gosh, that's my person that starstruck. Everybody. Really? <laughs> yes. And, and even though I'm Shaq, I'm still just like everybody else. Like, for example, I'm talking to one of my favorite quarterbacks. There you go. Well, uh, listen, first of all, Shaq, I, I grew up watching you playing ball, dunking over, slam dunking, breaking glass. But yeah. I'm not sure if people know this story. So when we won the Super Bowl, Jeff, I know you were there being a huge Seahawks fan. But when we won the Super Plus. Bowl in, in New York, MetLife Stadium, Shaq, you actually, I'm not sure if you remember this, but you actually came into uh, my, my box, my family's box. And you, you met my mom, my sister, my brother, everybody, and you signed a jersey for my mom. I know, I remember that. So, again, even though, even though I'm Shaq, I'm still a fan. Like, when you don't feel like being Shaq, you want to watch good football, you're just a regular person. I love that. You know, like, you know, when you don't feel like being Shaq and you want to listen to your favorite old R&B artist, you throw in some Sierra. <laughs> you know, you don't feel like you're being shy and you just want to watch other NBA games. So even though I am who I am, I'm still humble enough to be able to love and respect other people. So thank you for uh, bothering me on my day off. You know, usually, <laughs> usually I wouldn't do anything on my day off. But, you know, I got to call my office. They said, Russell Wilson. I said, be Russell Wilson, the Super Bowl champion of American Sierra Russell Wilson. said, yeah, you want to do a podcast. Exactly. Married to Sierra. And speaking of that, that's when I first <laughs> met Jeff, Jeff Dye, ironically, because uh, he was on uh, Sierra's show. You, you two were on the same show together. Uh, what was that show called again? It was called I Can Do That. And there's yeah, nothing I, more, like, I have no rhythm, right? I can't dance. And we had to, like, work together for, you know, we worked together for months, but I had to dance with Sierra on TV. And it was just so obvious how bad I am. It was very humiliating. And she can dance phenomenal. It was very embarrassing. And, and now you see how I feel. That's why I don't do any end zone dance. <laughs> She said that you do have a pocket shuffle, though. I heard that. Yeah, I, I got a little, yeah, I got the pocket shuffle, yeah. But. <laughs> Are we allowed to say bad words on this pocket? Whatever you want. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Shaq, what, what, what have you got? So playing in L.A. and playing in New York is always fabulous. But one day, Halle Berry's walking down the fucking stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and we call a timeout. I told everybody, I said, hey, Halle's at the game. Don't nobody shoot that motherfucker but me. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of my favorite moments. She was coming out and showing her. What, 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 what did Hallie do when you were shooting your free throws, Shaq? Uh, she didn't shoot an air ball. Oh, man. So did, did you ever get the chance to talk to Halle Berry after the game? No, not after the game, but I remember one time I was at the Four Seasons Hotel in, in the elevator by myself, and Halle Berry came to the elevator and, like, my stuttering kicked in because I used to like, stutter like when I was young and I couldn't, I was like. <laughs> and then the elevator, the elevator ring ding and then she got off and I was like, ah, oh, I just blew my chest. <laughs> what, 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 what year was this back in the day? Was, this is when you were in LA, so 2000s? Yeah, yeah, this got to be like 98, 99. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the elevator by myself. I think she was going up to do like the movie junkets. And she walked in the elevator and my face just froze. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, hello, you know, I was like, <laughs> well, that's what Jeff Dye does anytime he gets in, uh, in an encounter with a woman. So well, he always freezes. Also, 
that kind of answers the question. There you go. You were starstruck by Holly Berry. You were like, Halle Berry is in the same yes. elevator. That, that's the answer right there. What so speaks- question? I got a question for Russ. Russ, can you, off the top of your head, name every team Shaq played for in the NBA? Ooh, good question. So, yeah, he got drafted by uh, Orlando Magic. Okay. Right? Played there. Uh, won Rookie of the Year, I believe, there. Uh, also, then he went to L.A. He, 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 went, to L- he went to L.A. Um, okay. play, played there. Then he played, uh, dominated in L.A. Um, you know, him and Kobe did their thing, won the championships. Then he went to uh, he went to Miami Heat, I think, next. Yes, right? correct. He got his jersey actually retired uh, by the Lakers and the Heat. I think he's one of the only few players to ever do that. Uh, which is fascinating itself. And then I think he had a stint, uh, not a not a long one, uh, for the Celtics. And <laughs> I don't know true. why you went to I don't know why you went to Boston of all places. I have a certain feeling about Boston just in general. But anyways, we won't go there. But you went you went so those are the those are the four that I can remember. Is there somebody else I'm missing? There's two other ones. There's two other ones. Two other ones. Dang, Shaq, you play on that many teams? Well, here's the thing about Shaquille O'Neal oh. that I love is that he's so likable that when LeBron just left one team, everyone was like, they were crucified. Shaq would go to any team that had a great point guard, and we just love Shaq so much that we're like, hey, Shaq can play for all the teams. <laughs> well, so so what, what, give me a hint. What, what, part of, what part of the country was this? Cleveland. You went to Cleveland? You went yeah. to Cleveland? Yeah. yeah, they had LeBron yeah. James. Oh, yeah, that's right. How long were you there for? Just like one year? A year, a year and a half. Yeah. A year and a half. What was Cleveland like? Boring. B-O-R-I-N-G. <laughs> Boring. Yeah, oh, that's, good. that's so good. Let's, so, I got a question for you. If you have, okay, so if you had to make a Mount Rushmore of your teammates, Shaq, who's the four, like your Mount Rushmore, who, who's the four? Penny, Kobe, D-Wade, and Big Shot Bob. Big Shot Bob. <laughs> You shot Bob, he saved me. At least, <laughs> at least two out of four championships. Saved so me. No, no Verizhel, huh? No, hell no, never. <laughs> what, about, what about LeBron? You don't have LeBron on your foot? On your yeah, I didn't play with LeBron long enough. Yeah, so, so and, and who was the player that you just hated playing against? I want to know who you hated playing against because, like, I think about some of the guys I got to play against. I got to play against Aaron Donald every twice a year. It's freaking <laughs> terrible. So, like, who, who are the guys you hated playing against? I hate playing against Akeem Olajuwon because, you know, he, he had so many moves from each side, so it was really hard to scout for. Like, yeah. all the Georgetown boys, fake left, go hard right. That's Alonzo, that's Akimbe, that's Petronio. They all did the same thing. All the other guys were pick and pop guys. They wouldn't have to worry about them. But Akeem, uh, he just had so many moves on the block. And then David Robinson ran like a deer. So, <laughs> yeah, so like if I went out the night before and had a good time and then try to wake up and run with him, it was going to be a <laughs> So he ran like a deer. What did you run like, Shaq? Uh, the young Shaq ran like a deer, but the old Shaq, I ran like a bull because I walked that. <laughs> I walked down. You walked down the hill. Yes. I know the story. Yeah, yeah, young, uh, bull, young bull versus old bull, huh? That's right. <laughs> uh, I, I've heard that story many times my, my, uh, my first couple of years in the NFL. And then talk to me about also, too, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, some of these great players and people you had to play against. What about now when you view guys now? Like, uh, you know, I think about somebody who runs like a deer who's a bigger guy. Like, uh, you know, Giannis, he's, he's, he's a massive dude. Like, who, who, who do you see when you watch them play 
Because when I watched you guys play back in the 90s, I mean, basketball was completely different. I felt like it was so physical. Everybody was so dominant on defense. Uh, I, I grew up near a guy named Ben Wallace. You know, I remember Ben Wallace. He grew up in Richmond, Virginia. I, I got to see him a bunch play. But, you know, when you watch guys today, are there, are there any similarities to certain guys you watch today versus back then? I know this is unfair to say, but I try to evaluate guys and say, could they play with us? Yeah. Mm. Now there's a lot of social media. He's great. He's the greatest. Nah, I'm 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 looking at guys and saying, could he play with us? Interesting. Okay. You're a guard. Could you play with Jordan? Could you? Play uh, yeah. Because listen, the game, both games, football and basketball, gotten softer. I hate to say it. I know some people will be offended, but so I try not to throw out that he's great. He's great. He's great. Unless I say. You could have played with uh, Jordan, LeBron, KD, Steph. Definitely could have played with us. Yeah. Definitely could have played with Giannis. Definitely could have played there. So those, those guys are great. Kyrie, yes, but all, everybody else there. No, he's gonna be. I'm, I'm waiting. I gotta wait. Like Zion's pretty good. John Morant's pretty good, but I just gotta wait. Uh, Luka Doncic did his thing this year, but I just gotta wait before I, you know, start throwing throwing up props. Yeah, you're that. one of the, you're one of those guys. I'm the same way in the sense that when I think about, I'm, I'm old school in my approach. So, you know, to me, it, it's hard to just say a guy is going to be, you know, a great player for a long time unless he does it, you know, consistently. You know, I think that's a that's a big thing. You know, yeah. the consistency of a player is, is true legacy, in my opinion. When I watch guys in other sports, baseball and football and basketball and and e even boxing, you know, uh, you know, I think people get so addicted to the new flash of everything. But, you know, how long can a guy last, which is exciting, you know. And I think, you know, as we think about the also, you know, the NBA, you know, season and what's going on right now comparing to the NFL season and, and all that stuff too. Uh, you know, with the NBA season, watching the bubble, what, how would you have felt going to this bubble thing? Because I'm thinking about us. We're about to start the season. We, we're we're going to start the season starting tomorrow on Thursday. We're, we're st the first game, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes, but it's Deshaun Watson. It's this, this Sunday. I go against, uh, you know, Matt Ryan. It's going to be a – uh, a pretty, pretty interesting first week of the NFL. But as you watch the NBA season going on right now, the playoffs and all that, how how would you have received and done that whole process? You think you think guys would have liked to do that for however many sixty days or however long they're locked up? Do you guys have to play in the bubble also? Well, our situation is a little bit different. So for us, you know, for the Seahawks at least, we we actually get to go home every night, but we're getting tested every single day. And everybody, there's tier ones, there's tier twos, tier threes. So the tier ones are the players and the coaches and such. Tier twos are the kind of the staff members that can be around the players. But the crazy part is, is that we're going home. And so what's really important is when guys go home, their family members have to protect the players and the team and, and, and their loved ones. So it's a very interesting process, but we're not having to be stuck in a hotel in Orlando sitting there somewhere. So, you know, we're about to go on this long plane flight, which is going to be very interesting. You know, and I don't even know if we can see anybody when we get to, you know, we're going to Atlanta. That's where Sierra's from, for example. You know, we're not going to be able to probably see anybody. So, you know, it's an interesting process. I was thinking Shaq, Shaq wouldn't do the bubble. He'd be out doing stuff. I know you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has to be difficult for the guys. I was always the type that I needed something to rise me to that next level. So, for example, yeah. during playoff time, Jack's going to be there. I don't want Jack Nichols to piss at me. Denzel and his wife going to be there. I don't want them pissing at me. Adam Sandler's going to be there. My family's going to be there. All the little kids in L.A. is going to be there watching me. 
I got Jeff Dye's gonna be there. Yes, he's gonna be there. I, I, I needed Be that. Bieber, Bieber, Bieber. Yeah, Bieber will be there. I needed that to keep me going. So now that the guys don't have that, you just have to, you know, uh, play off sheer talent and uh, sheer emotion. It, it looks like a big AAU tournament, but uh, yeah, I, that's a good point. Yeah. But all the guys have been safe, and you know, some of the games have been pretty good. Then the little put on the show right before the playoffs had like five or six uh, spectacular games. The guy. Uh, Jamal Murray just put on the show the last round when they were down 3-1. So, you know, Lakers are down 0-1. Uh, the Bucks are down 0-3. So, you know, the games are, are, are pretty good. I think for the role players that can't really face the pressure of the crowd, they're, like, playing great because there's really no pressure for them. It's actually, it's actually no pressure for any of these players. This is, a, this is the first no-pressure playoffs because, as you know, Russell, playoffs ain't about the player. It's about the atmosphere. Seattle yeah, exactly. has to go at home, but now they have to go to Green Bay. And then right. the season over. That's the playoffs. When it has somebody, you know, the, you know the story. So, but the guys don't have that. So, uh, all the guys are playing on the same court. They're eating in the same damn cafeteria. They're walking across the same grassy knoll. So, uh, they the best team win. Shaq, no, I, I, when I when I, I saw you, play, sorry, Russ, I don't mean to speak over you. When I saw Shaq play, one thing that stood out to me is you were so so sweaty when when have you ever in a game had to change your jersey from sweating too much no never never not once no because i like because you know the more you sweat means the more it means that you're working very hard and then, yeah I, I was a big pre-game warm-up guy too like i, I like the feeling the sweat you know and just feeling like i've been putting the work in all day i pitched to genie bus i said when when you guys hang up that shack statue you should make it like a fountain you know, you should have, it should be a fountain and a statue. How cool would that be? <laughs> you don't like it? No, that's terrible. Stop it. That'd be great. Stop it. Spe- speaking, of, speaking of the uh, playoffs, Shaq, what was the, what was the craziest atmosphere you ever had to play in? I, I think about some of the atmospheres I had to play in. You know, going to Green Bay last year was freezing, freezing, freezing cold. I remember having to go to Minnesota. We won in Minnesota. It was negative. It was negative like 20. And it, the the wind show, it felt like negative thirty five degrees or something crazy. Uh, so, you know, I I literally tried to talk and my tongue would freeze as I'm speaking, tell, calling <laughs> the place. So, what, what's the craziest atmosphere you had to have to play in? So Portland was crazy. The fans are crazy. Sacramento, it was always a bunch of cowbells. But the year we played Philly in the finals, the radio station paid this crappy band to find out where my room was at. They set up yep. the stage up there and they played Rocky all night. Bang! Bang, bang, bang! Bang, bang, bang! Bang, bang, bang! That's amazing. All night. So, so luckily, I had them big uh, headphones and I just threw on some little R&B, went to sleep. But when I woke up, they kept playing it. So now I'm pissed. So now I'm like, okay, all right, you think it's gonna work? Soon as I get to the ring, the first play of the game, I'm going elbow the Kimmy Matumbo on his face, throw it down on and look at the crowd and let him know that rocky shit will not work for me. <laughs> All right. You got to respect it, though. That's the, the city's defense, uh, you know? Speaking, speaking of, of, of people calling the hotel, I remember when I played the Super Bowl, when we played the Broncos, the phone just kept ringing. It was, it was nonstop. So I ended up having to unplug it. Fans were calling uh, from the Broncos. And then we had to play uh, Philly. Uh, this this year, actually, uh, in the playoffs. And it's kind of similar. You know, the Philly fans are pretty tough. So they were on it. Like, they were calling and everything else. And so 
that's a that's a real thing, man. Just uh, that you have to experience and just you start figuring out the tricks of the trades and make sure people don't do that and bother you. But you said uh, Philly it, fans are tough. I mean, let's be honest. I, I I don't have to worry about nothing. I'll just say Philly fans are awful. That's that's what they are. <laughs> What's the worst fan base? What's the hardest fan base? For me or for yeah, uh, yeah, when both I play, you guys, I want to vote, man. The, the, the toughest place. I mean, I remember my when I was young. Uh, my first year in the NFL, we had to go to Candlestick, and oh, I remember people throwing beers and pissing on the on the bus and throwing stuff and just all of that, man. Just playing in Candlestick, it was historic. It was it was a place where you really felt the tradition of it, and they had so many guys on their defense. And it was my rookie year. I remember scrambling upside the pocket, and next thing I know, Patrick Willis and Bowman, whoo, and I, I had never seen two linebackers run that fast. I mean, Bobby Wagner's fast too. So, I, but I never seen somebody try to tackle me that fast. And so that, that's when I really, I was, I really realized I was in the NFL. And my first game ever in the NFL was my first, you know, first game of the year we played in Arizona Cardinals. And uh, I got stuck right in the chest on fourth down and 14. I threw it to my, to my, uh, to my teammate, Charlie Martin. And I got stuck right in the sternum by, uh, by Dockett and he hit me and dug me into the ground and he goes, welcome to the play. Welcome to the NFL playboy. And <laughs> just just kind of rubbed me in. And so th those are kind of those, just the kind of the fun memories I have, but just, I remember playing in that atmosphere and candlestick. That was always tough for sure. And uh, was one of the toughest moments I've had, had to play. My, my answer is different. Uh, I, I grew up being raised by a drill sergeant. So I've heard and seen everything. So when I went into the arena, all that stuff, it, it, it didn't hurt me. It actually made me laugh. And sometimes when I <clears throat> wasn't in the playing mode, I would look for something to make me mad. Yeah. And whenever I shoot a free throw and people laugh, I'm like, okay, next time I come down on this end, watch this. So You're like Jordan. That's Jordan's yeah. whole thing. So, like, I always try to use stuff for uh, motivation. And I'm not really worried about it because uh, I actually like it, you know, because if they yell and scream at you, it means they respect you. Yeah. I see the other guys that touch the ball, fans just looking and drinking soda. They're texting, but when you got the ball, they go, ah, 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 ah. I mean, <laughs> they uh, know exactly who you are. What about trash talk? You do a lot of trash talk out there? Of course. Of course. Yeah? I'm talking about mothers, wives, children, whatever I got to do. And I don't say, I don't say, I don't say anything. But I've, had, I've talked trash three times in my career. Once in college, okay? That didn't go well afterwards. Two yes, times in the NFL, both of those plays didn't work out. So I, I said, you know what? I ain't going to say nothing else. Because so, most of the guests. So so <laughs> Listen, for me, I, I, I just try to be in the zone. I try, you know, but you, you, Shaq, you a lot bigger than me, man. You 7-1. I, I can't talk on that. Who talks smack to you, Russ? Like, who is the guys that are chirping to you the most? Probably Richard Sherman now, but besides before that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm used to Sherm, uh chirping, you know, so I'm used to it. But no, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a lot of guys, you know. You'll have defense alignment, you know, talk stuff, especially when they sack you. That's a big, that's a big one, you know. And then the biggest thing is they, they be trying to dig into you, trying to rub your head in the dirt and all that stuff. That I'm not having that. So, um, but you know, most most guys try to most try most guys try to talk stuff to get you, you know, out of your element. But they know for me, I. That actually feeds me and fuels me to get focused even that much more in the, in the midst of it all. Danger Talk is supported by DraftKings. Now is the time to celebrate. Football is finally back. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize with a total of $3 million 
$25 up for grabs for this Thursday's football contest. Getting in on Thursday's night's single game showdown is easy. All you have to do is download DraftKings using promo code DANGERTALK. Draft six players from the season opener. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So head to the app now to start making it rain. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code DANGERTALK will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Download the DraftKings app now and use code DANGERTALK. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. Don't miss the extra special week one bonus. Enter code DANGERTALK to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code DANGERTALK only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So Shaq, talk to me. you talking about football here. So, you know, and, and, and playing and everything else. Did you play? I'm assuming you played football in high school, right? Football was my love. I was actually, so, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a, a hell of a tight end. His hands I, are. I'm just saying. Hands, his hands are Odell Beckham Jr.-ish. So anything touches it. Well, you, know, you had fast, you had fast feet, man. Like, you had fast feet. So, when I was in high school, I, I played tight end. And I think my sophomore year, we had a play called Alley U. And, and you already know that you know, goal line play, I just tell my, my quarterback, Joe Kennever, throw it up. He throw it up, I go catch it. And then a little twerk, same size as Justin Bieber here. Yeah. My damn knee. I'm 6'4". <laughs> I sprained my MCL. I was like, I'm not playing football no more. But between me and you, I wanted to be the next two tall Jones. But what derailed that is my father came in with an article. It was a guy by the name of John Conkak. He signed a contract 15 for three. And then yeah. I was like, no, football may be too rough. You may need to take up this basketball thing. And I saw that and I was like, I ain't the smartest guy in the world, but 15 divided into three, that's five million a year. So <laughs> good money. I took what I learned from football and brought over to basketball. Because, see, I, I realized that basketball players don't like that physicality. So, so I played nose guard and I played tight end. I like bringing pain to people. So I just add a little football in my game. That's why when people are like, oh, the heck of shit, they're following you. I, I never felt that. I never felt that at all. Yeah, it, it's just a fly on your, on your shoulder. You just wiped it off, huh? That's it. That's it. So, so I, I'm just saying, if you've still got a couple more you know, I can throw you an alley-oop if you need one. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Listen, down by one Super Bowl, I'm catching that thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, speak, speaking, so of your, speak, speaking of your uh, childhood, uh, Shaq, talk to me a little bit about that growing up, coming through adversity, you know, uh, some of the things you had to go through. You know, I, I know for me, growing up, I, I didn't have much. You know, my, my, my parents, were, you know, constantly worked and all that. I remember times where we had no water, no hot water at all or anything like that. And so as, as people are going through things, you know, and right now and everything else, but kind of walk through your childhood and just kind of how you've overcome a lot of that. I was a medium level juvenile delinquent. Didn't have a lot. Father was strict drill sergeant. He beat into me, be a leader, not a, uh, be a leader, not a follower. I yeah. was just kid stuff. Like if the, if the guys want to go steal something, I do it. Guys want to go steal a car, do it. The guys want to go you know, uh, take, you know, partake in the cannabis activities, I'd be in a room with him. And he would just, you know, finally he would force, like, yo, you gotta be a leader, you gotta be a leader. 
The best thing he did was put me on punishment one time for a year. Because when a I was, year, what was that? What was that like? I, I, I couldn't uh, couldn't leave my room for school. For school, and after school, I had nine minutes to get home because we lived down the street from the school. I had nine minutes to get home, and if I didn't, I'd have to do something like rake the black leaves or just like that. But while I'm in there, I start I start becoming a dreamer. Uh, luckily, he gave me a TV. So I watch your MTV raps. I'll be like, I just saw that gold rope chain at the flea market. I'm gonna go get it. I'm gonna practice my rap skills. Then I see football. Man, I think I can be the next two tall Jones. Then I see basketball. This guy named Jordan has his own shoes, man. One day if I could become good, I'd give like I would just start dreaming and dreaming and dreaming and dreaming and dreaming. And then as I got older, I was like, you know what? Let me see if I could accomplish all these things. So I remember looking at a guy in high school that was ranked ahead of me, and I was like, I just bust this dude ass in the gym the other day. I, I was like, I'm a player in tech. Oh, hell no. So then it just started, you know, I just started, like, you know, uh, competing with myself. I would, like, start writing stuff down or start memorizing stuff, and then I would just, you know, go for that goal at, at a time. Like, one guy in my school scored 30 points. That was the highest everybody had ever scored in my school. It was like, ooh, and I was like, 30? That's I, it. You know, I got, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm... I'm I'm 16 years old. Uh, if I can get 35, I'm gonna be the man at the school. Like, like I would just like start doing little stuff, and then things started turning around. Like I was like, you know, my dad did tell me if I become a leader and stay out of trouble, I can become anything I want. And then next thing I know, I'm 15 years old. Coles O'Neill, the best in the U.S. Oh my God, I'm a McDonald's All American. Oh my God, Dick Vitale knows my name. Oh my God, I'm going to the McDonald's of America. Oh, they got a couple guys from New York that's better than me. Oh, you better than me? Watch this. Oh my God, I'm the McDonald's MVP. Oh my God, I'm going to LSU. They already got two guys there. Well, I don't care who's there. I'm going to play. Oh my God, I'm going to be the first pick. So as I start saying to myself, okay, put something in your mind and just go achieve. You know what you got to do. You've been raised well. You're going to stay true. It's all about hard work and persevere and everything that I put my mind to, it came true. Cause I come from, I don't know about you Russ, but I wasn't, I didn't have coordination. I couldn't run, I couldn't jump. My story is not like a LeBron or a Kobe or you know all these guys that ever since eight years old, they've been great players now. I didn't become good to my junior year. So like, it's just hard work, a lot of, a lot of criticism, a lot of people beating me up. And then one day I just said, you know what? This guy can make 15 for three. At least I can get at least, if, you know, if we can make five million a year, and me, I can probably make three million a year. And my goal coming out of high school was to make $80 million for 10 years. And I already had it all set up what I was going to do. I was going to buy a $300,000 house. I was going to buy a Jimmy Blazer, and I was going to buy a Mercedes Benz. And I was top, top, top down, top down, or, or, yeah. or, or what? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was, I, I think back then it was a 560 SEC. Yeah. But... I, you know, looking back, I'm, I'm glad my mother and father disciplined me the way that they did. I'm glad that I was able to move around from city to city. I'm, I'm glad I was able to be on teams. Because, you know, those things teach you a lot, especially when it, you know, comes to life. Like, people always say, how do you, 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 you got 70 commercials, you got 50 business, how do you do that? It's easy, it's called delegation. And, you know, you, and, you, know you know about it. Delegation, you know, you're the leader, but you call a play, you throw it to the receiver, he got to get 15 yards. So 
if I want to run a business, I'm just going to get somebody that knows how to operate and run the business, do a partnership with them, make sure I understand what they're doing. And that's how things get you know done in my world. That's how I treated homework in high school. I like delegated it to someone else and then they did it for me. Me too. The statue of limitations should be up on it now. Yeah, you should be good there. But you know, you said something that I think was really profound and I think something that I really relate to because for my mom and my dad, they they raised me and uh, under this idea around discipline and, and making sure that, you know, for me, even being, you know, I, I you know, even being, you know, young African American kid in Richmond, Virginia you know, is you have an opportunity to set yourself apart and in the sense of how you work and how you how you go about your business and how you treat people. And I think one of the big things for me was we didn't have much. So I had to create my own vision. You know, I, I believe to be great in anything, you got to be a visionary. You got to you got to dream about it. You got to think about it. You got to talk about it. You got to you got to write about it. You got to you got to have that passion about it. You know, and if you don't have that, it's really hard to capture it. And it's really hard to make somebody else believe in you if you don't have that. And so for me, I, I had to do that. I had to find that every day, you know? And so I used to write sticky notes on my wall and, and, and every, every time somebody you can't do this, can't do that. I, I read that sticky note, I write it down, boom, put it there. And I, I would just visualize overcoming. I would just visualize success. I still do that today. I still do that today. And so for me, it's really about, okay, somebody says I can't do it. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you different. I'm going to show you a different way to do it. I'm going to show you how I'm going to do it. I think that was a big part of, you know, why I'm here today. Everybody said I couldn't be in the NFL, obviously, you know, being smaller and everything else. And I think for me, I, w- I wanted to create my own legacy, my own terms. I wanted to set my own tone. And, you know, I, I, I was going to, my, my head coach, you know, back when I was in college, you know, my, my freshman year was going to move me to safety, you know, and I, I just said, no, I went home, prayed about it, wrote it out. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be freshman All-American. I'm going to do this. I'm going to play in the NFL for 10 plus years. I'm going to do this, 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 that. And I wrote it all out for him. I told him, I said, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I am. And I think that's a big part of, you know, overcome. And I even think with everything else going on in America and the world right now and COVID and everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter and, and, and people getting, you know, uh, you know, murdered on the street and everything else that's going on. I think it's really important to have a, still have a vision, you know, in the midst of everything, how do we create vision for the, for our young ones, for our kid, for our children, for our kids, uh, for our loved ones, is we have to be able to create that vision because with no vision, there's no direction. And I think that's really key in the midst of it all. And to add on to what you said, you should always have somebody that you love more than you love yourself. Yeah, that's good. For me, I, love for that. me, I didn't want to let my mother down. And yeah. I want to walk on any neighborhood and say, Mom, pick one. So this is how I bought a house for my mother. So when I got to Orlando, told my mom, I said, quit. She said, baby, I don't want to quit. I want you to support me. I said, this is not a conversation. You work for me now. Quit. What are you going to do? We'll do a fan club. Quit. My father, retired from the military, he quit. So when we first got to Orlando, we all stayed in a hotel. I said, uh, I'm going to get a house first, and I'm going to get you a house. So we go all around all the neighborhoods, but I'm telling the realtor we need to find some six, seven-bedroom for them. So, you know, we get to a house. It's uh, 900000 It's beautiful. We got the media room. We got the theater. We got the everything. pool. You got everything, right? And I asked my mom, I said, uh, you like this house? She's like, yeah, it's pretty big. It's, it's not. I said, it's yours. She's like, what do you mean it's yours? I just gave her the key. She said, baby, you got it. I said, mom, it's already paid for. So the best feeling for me was to be able to go to the bank and write $999,000 on the check. Paid for the house. So, here you go. So that was a 
And, you know, because it, it was just a thank you and all the stuff she would tell me was coming true. But you're right. I used to just say, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. But I never wanted to let my mom and dad down because they used to work so hard to, you know, buy me a pair of Georgetown Hoya Nikes, which, you know, cost $100. So they just used to do so much for me. Well, I, speaking of, of buying your mom a house, I, I bought my mom a house recently, you know, a couple of years ago, a year, year and some change ago. And funny thing, it was a very similar situation. When I was growing up, we, we, we didn't have much. We used to go, we used to go looking at houses. And back in the day, you could go into a house and just walk yeah. into it. And it just, I, I would go in, give the thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever it would be. And then, and then realizing, you know, nowadays you got to have an appointment for everything and everything. So I told my mom, you know, my sister, I said, I said, go around, let's go around the, you know, the city and just try to find different places to find. Sure enough, I found this one place online and uh, we ended up going to it. And she, I mean, she, she fell in love with it. So I had to trick my mom. It was a Mother's Day. I said, ah, oh, mom, sorry, listen, that house, got, that, that house got sold. But yeah, so I said, I told, I told my mom, I said, mom, that house got sold, but the builder, he says he got a couple of other houses down the street. So sure enough, she, we pull out, get out the car, right? And um, she's like, well, where's the builder? I said, well, I said, mom, here are your keys. And she, she tried peeing down her legs. She was so excited. <laughs> but yeah, you got to look out for your, the, the loved ones, you know? And I think as, as parents too, you know, for me having, you know, three kids and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's super important that we, that we, that we feed into our children and everything else and, and all that. So I think in the midst of everything going on in 2020, it's, it's important to, to make sure that we're doing that, you know? I'm having trouble identifying with buying my mom a house. Uh, I, I have though, you know, bought them dinners and things like that, just to chime in, you know, I say, hey, pick any appetizer, you pick any entree, Jeffy's got you, you know? You're on your way. You're on your way. I'm a, I'm a good way. guy. I'm a good guy. Monday, Jeffy. <laughs> so, so speaking speaking of everything else going on in 2020, you know, uh, it's obviously been a tough year. Uh, you know, Shaq, just in general, and um, I think for all, all of us, all of us listeners, obviously, we love you know you and just what you mean to to everyone. I think you know, in the midst of 2020, I remember sitting, you know, standing, we're getting ready for the Pro Bowl about to play the game. I'm out, I'm in the locker room about to do a, the team prayer and everything else and about to pray for, for all the fellas. And you know, there's the greatest players, you know, in the NFL in the locker room. And next thing you know, they tell us about Kobe and every guy, guy started mm. crying. I start, I start tearing up everybody. And we just start praying about it. And I never seen a midst of a moment, everybody freeze, especially men, um, that many men in one moment and the connection. And obviously you obviously got to play with them, but just, can you talk about just, uh, you know, one, where you were, but also just, you know, the, the type of player that he was, the type of, you know, you know, you know, person, what he meant to the world and, and just everything else. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, the night before, I know LeBron broke his score right there. So the next day, I'm training my son. One of my older sons comes to me with the phone crying. And I said, what the hell wrong with you? He couldn't say it. He said, look. There was a TMZ article. And my heart just stopped for a second and a tear automatically came. I was like, you know what I'm saying? I said, this is the internet. This is, it can't be true. It's the internet. It has to be the internet. And then my, my ex-wife called me crying. Everybody called me crying. And I called Charles. I said, Charles, is it true? He said, yeah, it's true. And then I just, you know, I was, it was, I was upset because, it was upset because we never really talked a lot. Probably should have. 
But I was always the type, Russ, I'm going to go do my job and then I'm coming home. I got family. I know you got family. I don't want to bother you. I know you got, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you need me, you call me. I was always that guy. And, you know, a lot of people thought we had a, a, a really bad relationship. No, we had a respectable relationship. Respectable enough to win three in a row. Do we agree on stuff all the time? Nope. But who does? The Beatles didn't agree on stuff. The Brady Bunch didn't agree on stuff. But, you know, sometimes you have to focus on the relationship or the task. I'm focusing on the task. Yeah. He was focusing on the task. So, but, you know, the respect was always there. I was just upset that I could never say anything to him again. Last time I saw him was, it was either the game where I asked him to get 50 and got 60 or the interview we did for TNT. That was the last time I saw him. But he always kept in touch with my kids. He always took care of them because ever since they were little, they, they know him as, as Uncle Shaq. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that the locker room stuff never feeds out into the real world. But he was a guy that wanted to be great at 17. We used to have to slow him down, but he wanted to be great right away. He wanted to take the last shots. Like, I'm 17 on here, but if you want me to shoot it, I'll shoot it. So we knew he, he had it in him. And he did it his own way. He did it at his own pace. But this generation, he's probably their guy. You know, for my generation, it was Dr. J and Magic. But uh, probably for your generation, probably Jordan and all those guys. But for this generation, Kobe was that guy. So a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, I love watching, you know, Kobe because he, the, just the, the clutch shots that he had. He had no fear, you know, when he had the ball in his hand, you know, and he worked for everything, you know. It wasn't, he had the talent. You know, some people just wake up with the talent and he had that, but he also worked for it, you know. And I think that was always something that, we, you know, from growing up and watching a guy like him and being around and the couple times I was able to be around him, he, he always seemed to have that, you know. And so if you could say one thing to him now in the midst of everything, if you could have one other t- opportunity to say something, what would you say? There's a picture going on. I said this on TNT a couple weeks ago. There's a picture that somebody made of an old Kobe and old me. I, I just wish that could be true. Wish that from 20 years from now. I got my gray beard. He got his gray beard. We could just sit and talk about grandchildren, about time and all that. That's the only thing I wish. I, mean, I never really, like I said, after, after the games and after the season, we, we never really talked a lot. Uh, and that, that's how I've always been. But you know, if I could do it now, just, just we'll we're, we're just shoot the breeze, brother. Just you know, talk about what's going on. You know, Shaq, if if I could say one last thing to Kobe, I would say thank you for for the father you were. You know, to the to the young girls that you were able to raise and to love and to show them what work ethic was like, what grace and joy was like. Um, I would say thank you for that. You know, you really were able to teach me from a distance that being a father is one of the greatest gifts in the world. You may be able to have an amazing fadeaway shot. You may be able to throw the ball a long, long way. You may be able to do so many things that the world's never seen. But the thing that the world really needs is, is fathers, fathers like you, people who could lead and love. And Shaq, I know that uh, you know you have your kids, and I know you know Kobe. For for you, 
thank you, man. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for who you were. Thank you for what you stood for. Thank you for how you loved the children and how you loved V. And just despite it all, you know, despite all the success and everything else, you're an amazing dad first. And that's helped change my life. That's helped show me the way in so many different ways um, on how to love my children. And I know, you know, our, our kids um, get to be around each other. And, uh, you know, I know, I know BB and Sienna get to spend so much time together when they can. And just, I, I'm grateful for just who you, who you were, what you stood for. And your legacy is going to forever live on. And everything that you've done from Granity Studios to amazing books that you wrote and <laughs> so many things you, you, you won, not just on the court, but off the court. There's no way like you. There's no one like you. And, you know, Mamba mentality is real. You know, you're able to, to mean so much, not only to myself, but the rest of the world. And uh, I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for what you stood for. Thank you for the father that you were. And uh, if I could say one last thing to you, that's what I would say. So thank you, Kobe. Thank you, man. Whew, as we transition, um, that was heavy. And, uh, you know, just uh, like I said, I, Shaq, and, you know, yeah, thanks for uh, opening up your heart about that. And uh, Kobe, just thanks for everything you've done. Um, as we think about the season coming up, um, football season's back. Uh, it's 2020, and it's been a crazy year. Shaq, who's your favorite team? Like, who are you rooting for? Like, do you have a do you have a team in the NFL you watch? Cowboys. Cowboys, really? Okay. Yes. Well, and, why the Cowboys? Because, like I said, when I was young, I wanted to be a two-tall gentleman. So, I'm, yep. I'm not one of these guys that whoever's hot jump on the back. I'm a Cowboys fan. Everybody knows this. No disrespect to you and all the other greats, but uh, I'm. I'm ride or die Cowboys. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, I wanted to be the next Ed Tutor Jones. He's a fraternity brother of mine. I met him. One of my dreams come true. I, I met Ed Tutor Jones, the first guy who I wanted to be like. And then the second guy who I wanted to be like was Dr. J. So I'm a Cowboy. You, you're a diehard Cowboy fan. Okay, so I, when we play the Cowboys this year, I'm going to make sure that I'll... I call you, ah. text you, talk. You, you, you want some trash talk? I'm gonna give you some trash talk. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, Ezekiel, you hear that? Ezekiel, <laughs> you hear this? <laughs> so, so who do you got in this in this first game? You got Kansas City. You got you got Mahomes. You know, you know. First of all, young star, one of the highest paid play, the, the highest paid player in the NFL. Now you got Deshaun Watson, the second highest paid player. Uh, you know, we got the three, which is actually interesting here. We got three uh, black quarterbacks, actually the, the highest paid players in the NFL, which is, which is, which is amazing. And in, in, in itself, you know, Patrick Holmes is number one, me, Deshaun Watts, number two. Uh, I'm fortunately number three, fortunately. But <laughs> when we think about that, we, we got Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, who you got in this first game uh, coming tomorrow night. I've never been jealous of a man ever. I'm jealous of Patrick <laughs> all that money, huh? Yeah, not like all of mine. I'm just happy for him, happy for his family, but I would love to have that title for me. Shaq is the first $500 million guy. But listen, Super Bowl champ, young fella, I'm happy for him. For uh, sure. Wish him well. The Deshaun Watson, I know, I know how you guys like to compete because, you know, we all compete the same. 
the Sean program saying, okay, you got 500. I know I just signed a new deal, but my shit coming up in two or three years. I'm gonna take so I know I got something, so I'm gonna have to go with. And I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to sound disrespectful because I'm a Dak guy, so it ain't really Dak. Not really paying attention, but Patrick versus Deshaun. I'm gonna go with Deshaun's team. Okay, you going? You going? You going to the nearby uh, nearby. Uh, Team in, in Houston. Okay, I got you. Let's and then let's just say hypothetically, I have thirty thousand dollars on the on Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. Is that a good bet or a bad bet? Hypothetically, you gotta ask Charles Barkley. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so 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 you're, you're so obviously we got the first you know thing happening here. The first part of the season, everything going on in twenty twenty. Uh, you know, you talked about you talked about, about you being a police officer, all that too. You know, I, I think that's pretty fascinating because all the stuff going on in America, we got the first game, uh, national anthem, everything going on. But just, you know, what you've done, your legacy, Shaq. I guess what I'm trying to say is your legacy is is more than just the game. You know, from the music that you love and being a DJ, which we haven't even talked about yet, which is fascinating itself. But you, you being a DJ, then all the way to uh, all the other amazing things you've done and acting and everything else. But talk to me about just what you do in the community, you know, uh, you know, as with the police force and all that. So one of my uh, punishment assignments by my father was from A to Z, right, what you want to be. So A, athlete, B, businessman, C, cop, uh, D, DJ, E, entrepreneur, F, fireman, uh, you know, H, uh, highway patrolman. So, wow. I always wanted to be a sheriff. I always wanted to have my own county and my own people because when I was coming up, the police and the neighborhoods were real close. You had guys on foot patrol, you know, they were respected in the neighborhood. Like, you know, the, the, you know Ms. Johnson could be like, my officer Russ, the kids around the corner spray painting stuff, can you go talk to him? Officer Russ come around and come, come here. Next time I catch you doing this, I'm going to take it out. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was like a you know, respect thing. Somehow it's, it, it's, it's far away now, really far, too far. So when I was, uh, when I was in LA, I went to the local sheriff and I said, hey, I want to learn. So he gave me a badge, took a picture. I came back and next day I said, I don't want you to give me nothing. I want to earn it. So I went to the full-fledged police academy in LA and uh, became a, we came a, a detective out there, did some patrol out there. Then I got you. Wait, wait, what year is this? This is, I was actually, this was actually when we was winning. I started in 98. Oh, crazy. 98, 99. Because see, see, there, you got to do reserve academy. So in LA, there's, you know, the first qualification you, you, you go through, which is many hours, you have security guard status. And there's level three. And there's level two. Level two, you're a full-fledged police officer, but you have to deal with another police officer. I went all the way to level one, which means I could ride in the car by myself. I have full police power. So it took me it took me four years to, you know, get through all those uh, academies. But I just wanted to, because when you run for sheriff, it's an elected position. I know I'm gonna win because I'm shit. But now when I get, but but now when I get in that locker room, my guys ain't gonna respect me. I want them to see that I know the same thing that they see. I want the same training that they know, and that I'm really serious about it. So 
That's what I did. So when I'm retired, 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 I'm going to run for sheriff. Nice. Amazing. What, what, you know what, what I like? I was going to say, so I spend a lot of time, my father figure in my life is uh, Terry Bradshaw, and I hang out with him all the time. And one thing I want to tell you, it's not even the question, it's just like, it seems like you love life. Like every time, I feel like you're, you're doing life the most fun. I feel like everything you do is, 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 I feel like that's your legacy. We're talking about your legacy, but like, I feel like you just always seem to be enjoying yourself, no matter where you're at or what you're doing. Because about 15 years ago, I figured how to deal with stress. And I figured, I call it, I call it a five-figure stress relief. So for me, it's my mother comes first, then it's my children, then it's my boys, my little gang that I, you know, people that work for me on with, and then it's myself. So I don't even get the five. So if it ain't one of these four things, I don't worry about it. I don't worry about Twitter comments and Instagram comments. I don't worry about I don't worry about culture. No, because I did the right thing. I made a name for myself. And it's an honor for a kid that has never seen me play to say, hey, can I take a picture? It's an honor for the great Russell Wilson to say, hey, I can talk to anybody as the first guest. I want to play. I just, one, I, I say I'm lucky. And two, just, you know, I always try to, you know, remain humble. And you're happy if you do happy things. You have your results. That's what I always try to live my life. I don't, I don't act like I'm bigger and better than you because I make more money. I'm not, I don't like bragging about what I got on social media. I use my social media 60% to make you laugh, 30% to inspire you, and 10% to sell you what I'm selling. Like, I don't, I don't really like the guys, look, at my $38 million mansion. Or look, I just bought 50 cars. Or look. I'm putting money on to, I don't really like that, especially now with 40 million people losing their jobs. They yeah. just disrespectful and love what I got in their face. So the fact that you said I love life, I'm lucky, I'm blessed. And you know, the only way for me to keep that is just to remain humble. Well, I, I think uh, that's a beautiful way to sum up the show. And I think, um, you know, for this season, to start off Danger Talk with season, season one, episode one, with the one and only Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq, Sheriff, Shaq, uh, whatever you want, whatever name, nicknames you want to go by, um, it's an honor and a pleasure. And uh, you know, you you are the, uh, the epitome of getting the most out of life, the most out of yourself, and what God's giving you. And I'm just grateful just to be on this show with you, even though you are uh, picking. Uh, are you picking the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl? I am. Always. Okay. I mean, uh, <laughs> every year. I, 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 like I said, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you. I don't know what week it is. But week, week, whatever, we play the Cowboys. I'm going to make sure I call you and give you that nice trash talk early on. But uh, <laughs> I'm, know, picking, I, I'm picking the Seahawks if I had to pick, just so you know. But, you know uh, I am, too. Seattle, every year. <laughs> I mean, because I got a lot of friends, celebrity friends, that when I was playing the Lakers fans, now they're Miami Heat fans, <laughs> Sierra fans, Golden State fans. I, I can't switch up. Cowboys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Emmitt Smith, Neon Dion, Michael Irvin. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Has some, has some good ones for sure, but uh, obviously this, this is a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I'm talking all the way from all the amazing things you've done to uh, 2020 as a whole and just uh, how it's been tough, but how to overcome just having a vision. Uh, you gave me a lot of nuggets. And what was that five-finger stress thing? What was that called again? My mother. Four fingers. 
my kids, my guys, my gang, and myself. I only, worry about, only worry about what these people think about me. I had somebody once great say one thing that's kind of similar to that. They said, you know, on your hand, you should can only give 100% to everything. And so very similar to that was, number one, uh, your faith, your, your, your wife, your family, right? Uh, you know, your community, right? The game, and ultimately yourself. So very similar to that. So I, I love that, man. Just uh, we can only give 100% to what, what, we, what we truly love, and that's what we should. And that, that, that alleviates a lot of stress. And you... Uh, all the way from your DJ career and more. You are opening the season the right way, and hopefully uh, the Seahawks get a big win uh, this week. And uh, I can't wait to watch the game tomorrow. Thank you, Shaq, for coming on the show and being a part of the family. Uh, and thanks for signing that jersey for my mom, by the way. She, she, uh, she teared up later, so she don't cry very often. So appreciate you. All right, Jeff. Hey, appreciate you. All right, appreciate you, Shaq. That was the one and only Shaquille O'Neal joining doing the show. I, I got to read you guys this list here of, of Shaquille O'Neal's accolades here, just so you guys can read them. First of all, just so you know, uh, first of all, career highlights, this man who just joined us, he was Shaquille O'Neal, Naismith Memorial. Uh, he's a hall of fame basketball player, obviously in 2016, four-time NBA champion, uh, three-time NBA finals MVP, one-time NBA MVP in 2000, 15-time NBA all-star, two-time NBA scoring champion, NBA rookie of the year, two-time consensus first-team All-American and uh, McDonald's All-American MVP as well. Uh, played with Orlando Magic, Los Angeles Lakers, Miami Heat, Cleveland uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, Boston Celtics. Has investments in Krispy Kreme. Big Shaq eating Krispy Kreme. Does so much. Five guys, Auntie Annie's, Papa John's, restaurants. I mean, I don't know how this guy does it all. And he's uh, going to be uh, a, a sheriff. Uh, he's police <laughs> helping everybody. I mean, DJ... There's nobody better to have on Danger Talk episode one. And uh, Shaq, grateful for you. Thanks for joining. And uh, super grateful. Danger Talk, we're out. That was a blast. Thank you guys so much for listening to Danger Talk with Russell Wilson and my co-host Jeff Dye. Make sure you guys subscribe every Wednesday. We'll be right here for you guys with a great guest every week during the football season. 2020 NFL season starts now.